a famous mathematician took a vacation to Chile and was never seen again. Local officials conducted an exhaustive search only to learn that the man, sadly, had fallen into a river and drowned. Yet immediately, witness reports and other tidbits of evidence popped up suggesting this was not true. Indeed, there was something truly sinister going on in the rural pass of Chile. In the special minisode, we explore what really happened to Boris Weisfeiler. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to another special mini-sode of Killing, Missing, Hidden. As always, I'm your host, guide, and narrator, your old buddy Brad. This week we're studying a very odd disappearance that occurred in Chile in the 1980s. So, to get into it, Boris Weisfeiler was a Soviet-born mathematician he received his Ph.D. from the Steklov Institute of Mathematics in 1970, but his young career was cut short after only five years. So he refused to sign a letter against a colleague and was immediately labeled as an anti-Soviet in Russia. Being Jewish certainly did not do anything to endear him to his Soviet overlords at the time either. So Boris, being the smart man that he was, decided his best move would be to get out of Dodge. He took a hop across the pond and landed in the United States. He eventually settled in at Penn State University in 1981 as a professor of mathematics and put together a very nice career for himself. During his roughly 20 years, he published dozens of papers. He even has several fancy-sounding algorithms and conjectures and other things I don't understand named after him. So we'll just describe him as a mathematical superstar. Now, he also happened to be an avid outdoorsman. He loved hiking. He loved camping. And that's ultimately what would prove to be his undoing in this case. So during the Christmas break of 1984, he decided to get away from the snowy weather of Pennsylvania and spend his winter break hiking the Andes Mountains in Chile. While having a chance to hike the Andes is no doubt on many people's buckets list, the timing of the hike was problematic, shall we say. Chile was under a military dictatorship, a fellow by the name of General Pinochet. And he was one of those dictators that took power through a U.S.-backed coup, and that led Chile from having a democracy to basically a military junta. And as you can no doubt guess, he went a little mad with power. He killed somewhere between 1,200 and 3,200 socialists, leftists, and political critics. Those he didn't kill were locked in internment camps and tortured. And we're not talking about a few hundred. It was tens of thousands of folks. So as you can imagine, this was not the perfect environment or time for a Soviet-born Jewish mathematician to be traveling alone in Chile. Boris went down to Chile, nevertheless, and simply never returned. Chilean authorities did an allegedly thorough investigation and determined that Boris drowned when he fell into the confluence of two swift-moving rivers 
and drowned, though they could not produce a body or any of his belongings. Naturally, an investigation conducted by a dictatorship may not have been the most honest and independent bit of policemanship ever seen, so some doubts have popped up over the years that we need to address. First of all, there were lots of eyewitness accounts, and they're not very consistent. Some local fishermen said they camped with Boris and gave him directions to a nearby bridge so he could cross those very waters he allegedly drowned in. Other locals claimed to have seen Boris's footprints right near the bank of the local river and suggested he must have tumbled in. And different residents claimed to have found his backpack and turned it over to the Chilean police, the same people who say that none of his belongings could be found. Now, Boris's planned path took him near a secret facility on a large tract of land near the Argentinian border. Unknown to the world at this time was a colony there for German expatriates. And naturally, there were some Nazis among the residents. In fact, the leader of this little community was Paul Schaefer, not the musician, a former Hitler youth and a corporal in the German army during World War II. The colony had been founded allegedly as a children's home and a Baptist ministry in 1959 and preached in part anti-communism propaganda. As awesome as this little commune sounds, it's a little cultish. Women were second-class citizens and children were regularly abused. Um, I think around 200 cases of sexual abuse were brought out against members of the community and the leadership, plus just a whole buttload of alleged human rights violations. This compound also happened to serve as kind of a de facto base for the Chilean secret police, and they actually had a written contract with the colony to perform some torture and executions and maybe just a wink of weapons trafficking, including biological weapons. Um, it's such an unusual place, this compound probably deserves an episode to itself. At least one member of the military claimed during an independent investigation to have been part of a team that was ordered to kidnap Boris and deliver him to the colony. He said they believed Boris to be a Russian or Jewish extremist who had illegally and secretly entered the country from Argentina, a fact which could easily be disproven with a little bit of research. The man claimed the team was ordered to cover up the rest and disappearance. There was also a member of the U.S. Embassy who spoke anonymously, claiming to have seen Boris living in the compound two years later, and he was living in, quote, animal-like conditions. So after General Pinochet kind of lost control of his country and power, lots of reports started coming out, in addition to these, that Boris was being held at the compound. The United States formally petitioned for an investigation into Boris's disappearance in 2006, and after piddling around just a little bit, some action finally occurred in 2012, six years later. 
A Chilean judge ordered the arrest of eight retired police and military officers for being involved in Boris's disappearance. But, four years later, and I think it was the same judge, reached a conclusion that there was simply no evidence of any human rights violations, and thus the statute of limitations had long expired for any common crimes. Thus he dismissed the case and allowed these men to go free. So all that for nothing, essentially. Y'all remember WikiLeaks? Well, it plays a role in this case, surprisingly enough. Several of the embassy messages that were published in that massive hidden info dump mentioned Boris. The files, if you want to try to look them up, are named 05 Santiago 2539, 08 Santiago 93, and 09 Santiago 680. This last one states that a local newspaper had learned Boris was last seen stopping at the home of a farmer to ask for hot water. Shortly after going inside, a police patrol along with two well-known civilians arrived at the house asking if a foreigner was there. This same group was later seen on horseback carrying what appeared to be a man wrapped in a blanket on one of the horses. And we're pretty confident it was a man because hands and feet were visibly sticking out from the blanket. The newspaper that had done all this research believed the man had been detained, beaten, and killed, with his body being buried, then exhumed a few days later to move it to a more secret location. Now, a second of these cables notes that the judge in charge of the investigation had several informants within the Nazi cult compound, and none claimed to have seen Boris there. Apparently, these informants had been able to accurately describe where several hidden illegal weapon caches were and were in a position to know if a foreigner was allowed into the colony. The same cable noted that police records noted they had found someone who was holding onto Boris's driver's license, but no questions were asked about how the man acquired it and no attempts were made to gain even an elementary level of information about Boris from the man. The third WikiLeaks document really doesn't contain any exciting or useful info for our purposes. So Boris was the only United States citizen to disappear during General Pinochet's reign. It appears very likely that he was targeted by police and military officials due to due to his ethnicity. I think there's significant evidence that Boris was taken to the Nazi death cult and died there, likely by beatings or maybe a bullet to the head. I find it curious that the judge's informants, who appear to be reliable and well-placed, deny ever seeing Boris at the compound, when there are multiple reports from multiple sources that he was there. I didn't find any information that kind of described this colony. I know it was on a large tract of land. So I don't really know if the police and military had kind of a private area of the colony where they could do some work. But I would find that to be surprising in a cult-like environment that they would let others have some hidden slice of land. Now, the judge who was conducting this investigation 
which I don't know how the Chilean criminal justice system worked, and I found it a little surprising that a judge is leading a criminal investigation. But nonetheless, there are some information in one of those WikiLeaks releases that the judge had requested research to be conducted by one of his underlings on whether his authority to pardon would extend to the defendants in this case, the police officers and the military officers he had arrested. So it looks like the judge from the get-go was looking for a way to perhaps appease the United States by having people arrested, but immediately turn around and let them go on some sort of technicality. Uh, so I don't know that the judge really wasn't in on the cover-up in this case. And, you know, for me personally, of course, there's one little thing I'm going to find and complain about. How on earth do the police keep a record of an event where they find a man with Boris's driver's license and then there's no records made after that event. That is not how you do a cover-up, people. At least pretend like you did your job. They should have created some report where they questioned the man extensively who, say, claimed he found the wallet in the river. They take possession of the driver's license, and then it's subsequently misfiled and can't be located. Boom. No longer look ex that suspicious. Maybe you look a little incompetent, but you're no longer in on something sinister. You're just kind of an idiot cop. And we need to address the biggest elephant in the story. Why in the world is the general allowing Nazis to set up a death cult in Chile? I mean, I know the answer. The Nazis brought a lot of money to the bribery table. They had access to some serious arms dealers. And they would provide a safe haven for the government to commit atrocities and distance themselves from it. But isn't there a certain risk factor in being caught housing freaking Nazis? These are among the worst of the worst bad guys in modern history. The, the appearance on the world stage alone would be devastating. I mean, you would no doubt have your country suffer massive sanctions... Um, you would lose all sorts of alliances, and you'd have to have this really awkward breakup conversation with Nazi leadership that may not end well for you, or you're going to suffer the wrath of every country in the world. Um, it just seems like a recipe for disaster. Boris's sister, Olga, continues on her own to fight for the truth about what happened to her brother. Sadly, I don't think that will ever happen as the Nazis die out and the former power brokers of Chile do their best to stay out of the limelight. She is fighting, in my opinion, a very corrupt system, which, again, I don't understand because you could reveal the truth and just blame it on the Nazi death cult. Who's going to question that story? I don't know. Maybe podcasting isn't my true calling in life. Maybe, maybe I should help criminals deal with their bad situations in a, in a court of law. Um, no, no, I've done that. I don't want to go back to that. 
I don't know how you can make enough money to supply an entire metropolitan area with crack, but you don't have enough money to pay a lawyer. I'm not going to get into that. But with that, we'll end this mini-sode. It's, it's a sad tale for sure. And I guess it's kind of a cautionary one as well about be careful when you're traveling overseas. Do a little bit of research first. Don't go to a land ruled by a dictator that hates who you are. You know, if something bad does happen, it will be very bad. It's a shame that Boris didn't do this, that he focused more on what he wanted to do than what the reality of the situation was. And who knows how much more he would have been able to contribute to the world of mathematics if it wasn't for some racist and idiot cops. So, hope you enjoyed the minisode. Wait, you can't have enjoyed it. We haven't done our palate cleanser yet so let me let me see what we've got today all right what does a cloud wear this is our palate cleanser so pay attention what does a cloud wear why a cloud would wear thunderwear okay now you can say you've enjoyed the episode thank you all so much for listening we try really hard to make a show that you enjoy and i hope and think we're succeeding If so, please tell one of your friends about us. It helps the show grow, helps us get bigger numbers, and makes everybody happy. By everybody, I mean me. Until we meet again, remember that being mean is not nice. Brad out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.